Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. If you got your Bibles, grab a the book of Matthew, the 13th chapter. I um, I feel like the Lord spoke to me in November. And I'll share with you what happened in that. And this was a, a subject that I was supposed to tackle really at the first of the year. And I've kind of just shied, shied away from it. and um, But I could not get it off of me. And yesterday I was actually praying um, for another leader in his church and I text him um, and just said this is what I feel like the Lord is is uh, saying to me and um, and my heart was just like really inflamed um, and I just said man I knew that the Lord had spoke this to me in November and I got to bring it and sometimes you know when you preach some things um we just deliver the mail. That's all That's all of my responsibility is, is to say what I feel like the Lord is saying. And sometimes it's certain subjects, you know, you want to shy away from because you feel like, man, the people's going to judge you because you're looking for something or anything like that. But So this will be maybe some ice cream to some. This will be hard to swallow for some. But anyhow, it is the absolute truth, and I want to dive into a subject this morning, okay? So I want to preach on the subject of honor. It is something that I have, a subject that I've been after for many years. I've not just approached this in the last little bit, but I have read many books on honor. Um, and actually in November, I was standing there praying and I, I just had in my mind's picture something to come to me. And um, it was... Uh, me and Apostle Dale was standing on the front row of this church. And um, he looked at me and he said, I just received a phone call today. And he said that, um, and he shared with me the, the, uh, the prophetic guy who called him, the prophet who called him, let's just say that. And he said that the prophet said that God was going to use him to restore honor in the region. And I was with the Lord that day and I was praying and that came back to my remembrance in November and I heard the Lord tell me I'm still looking for honor to be restored in the region and so let's look at this I have written some things out and um, I recently read a book on business and it's called The Business of Honor and it's a phenomenal read and there's many nuggets in that book and so listen to this honor means having and showing high levels of respect and esteem for others. Esteem means to value and respect. It comes from the Latin word respire, to look back, and it means a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something, enlisted by their abilities and qualities or achievement. Read it again. I struggle sometimes reading my own handwriting. It's like I wrote it in tongues or something. Honor means having or showing high levels of respect and esteem for others. 
See, there is a counterfeit called flattery. And both language will sound the same. But one is flowing from the heart and the other is flowing from the soul. Honor always flows from the heart. And honor is rooted in identity as sons and daughters of God. Dishonor is rooted in orphan identity. And flattery always comes from a place of seeking its own. It was absolute truth what the lady was speaking about the Apostle Paul. These men are from the Most High God, but it was not coming from a clean spirit. Y'all okay? Paul turned around and, and rebuked and cast the devil out of someone who was speaking absolute truth, but it was coming from a wrong spirit. So honor means having and showing high levels of respect and esteem for others. Esteem means to value. And respect comes from the Latin word respire, to look back at and means a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities and qualities or achievements. The Greek word for honor is where we get our word time. It means valuable, precious, weighty, such as gold. You don't put gold in a junk drawer. Come on, those of you women that's got some gold. We got silver at my house. We made it to go down. No, no, you don't put gold in the back of the pantry where the old screwdrivers are. You design a certain place because it what? It's valuable. It deserves a place of honor. The opposite of honor is dishonor. The Greek word is entomia, which is, it means to not show respect or value or to treat as common, ordinary, or menial. I'm getting to our place right here. I'm just trying to teach this more than I am just preach this. I'm, I, a lot of times I just scream and holler and sometimes I don't feel like I do it enough justice or spend enough time on it. Father, we just thank you for the word of the Lord. And Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding. Open our ears that we may hear in the name of the Lord. So listen to this. All true honor originates from the heart. Listen to this verse of scripture. Isaiah 29, 13, insomuch as the people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips but have removed their hearts far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the commandments of men one translation uh, literally means it, it, it says what this literally means it's they're taught by rituals something that's rehearsed something that's practiced all the time how many knows that you could practice something so much you remove your heart far from it let me, bring, let me say this. You see someone on the street, you have no desire to talk to them. You see, you see Cleve and I see him and I'm in a hurry and I'm like, oh God, I hope Cleve don't even notice me right here because I'm in a hurry. Come on now. But let me tell you, we're ate up with this in the South. I feel like the Lord is trying to lay a scalpel on something this morning and I stand in the fear of the Lord because I know what God has put in my heart and God's tired of phony people. This is crippling the body of Christ is phony people in the house of God. We say we love one another, but we know that we don't love one another. 
Jesus didn't say they will know you are mine by how much you can prophesy, how well you can preach, how much money you give. They will know you are mine because of the love that you demonstrate to one another. Love is not puffed up, 1 Corinthians 13. It's not prideful. It doesn't boast in itself. It is giving and it lays itself down for the other. So in this, I see Cleve. I don't want to talk to Cleve. I'm in a hurry, but Cleve notices me. So let me show you how we do it in the South. Hey, brother, man, it's so good to see you. My God, I've been, I, I just can't wait. I've been looking all day looking forward to seeing you, and you're lying right out of your mouth. And what happens is what this verse says, we become accustomed to this way of living, and our hearts are far from it. We do it in a worship set. We really don't want to be at church, but it's a Sunday thing to do in the South, so we got to go. So we start singing. Our mouth is moving, but our heart is far from it. This is what he's saying in Isaiah. These people become accustomed to honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, true honor is an outflow from a heart that fears God. The fear of the Lord is what produces this place in a heart where honor flows from. Now, I've often wondered this, and like you, I'm on a journey, and I sure don't possess to, uh, profess to know everything. You know what I'm saying? Pastor Parson used to say, I don't, know, I, know all th- I don't know all things, just most things. I don't know most things yet. I ain't lived long enough, but I'm learning. And so I've often wondered what, like how do you go to a place? How do you go to a place and the power of God manifest? And you go to a place and it's almost like it's hard to minister whatever, you know what I'm saying? Is it just, or is there certain seasons that God just comes down and blesses a place? Is, did, they, did the first church get the right song list? The second church didn't get the right song list? What's going on in that environment that causes breakthrough to come? What, what, what is in there that causes, you know, prophecy to flow, the gifts of the Spirit to flow, and other places that it's hindered or it's, either, or it's stifled down? What, what is the result of that? And I've, I've, I've listened to people try to answer that question you know what I'm saying but there is examples of this in the word of God and I want to look to two of them okay so let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 13 Matthew chapter 13 now let me tell you one other thing just on a side note this is just one of the best quotes I've ever seen and I think Larry sends this out sometimes um, he talks about um, one of the things that will cause dishonor to come into our heart is offense and he gives this definition of offense this is one of the best ones I've ever heard offense is simply this the thing that once you, you used to love and you highly esteemed now you dishonor and you don't love what caused that offense come in our heart okay now let's look at this in Matthew chapter 13 this is already going down like broccoli and I knew it would. But how many knows this ice cream won't raise you up? It'll give you a good feeling but let you back down in about an hour. Broccoli will sustain you. All right, you ready? Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. When Jesus arrived in his hometown of Nazareth, he began teaching the people in the synagogue. Everyone was dazed 
overwhelmed with astonishment over the depth of, the re- of revelation they were hearing. They said to one another, where did this man get such great wisdom and miraculous power? Isn't he just the woodworker's son? Look at this. Isn't he just the woodworker's son? Isn't his mother named Mary and his four brothers Jacob, Joseph, Simon, and Judah? And don't his sisters all live here in Nazareth? How did he get all of this revelation and power? And the people became offended and began to turn against him. Jesus said there is only one place a prophet is it honored. It is his hometown. And their great unbelief kept him from doing any mighty miracles in Nazareth. It did not say that Jesus withheld anything from this group of people. It basically is saying that he could not operate to the capacity that he desired to operate. And it said that unbelief, but now let's look at it again. What's happening here? He's standing in his own town. Here is the son of the living God. Here is the kingdom of God on earth, full of power. Every, Every breakthrough they could ever need is standing right there in front of them. Every provision they could ever want is standing right there within that. He's within arm's reach of them. He's teaching. They're saying, my God, look at the revelation that is flowing out of this man. Look at, look at all of this thing. But then logic and reasoning kicks into their mind. And they reduce the gift of God that is standing in front of them to a common man that was around them every day. When that, when that gift became common, the anointing stopped flowing at that very moment. Now healing was no longer available. What stopped the healing from flowing from them? It was not demons. Come on, y'all. It was not, it was not principalities in wicked places. It was from their heart when they brought what was uncommon down to a common level among them, immediately the anointing ceased to flow. This happens, come on, I'm bringing this down in our language. I'm going to take us on a journey here because I want to teach this this morning. And one of the reasons I said this, I sent this to a leader yesterday, and I'm going to define this by Scripture. I I sent this to a leader, and I've been praying for him. I said, let me tell you something. The reason why there's a lack of finances in that house that you are standing there, it is because the way that congregation treats you and your family. If they would take care of what was standing at the front of that house, it would be upon the whole body. Come on, somebody. I'm going to prove this out in Scripture, and I'm telling you, I feel like God is wanting to lay a plumb line to some things this morning. Now, I first got a revelation of this through listening to Apostle Dale when he began to teach. He began to say one night he was in this revival before Pastor Bo ever went to Nichols and there was just that little bitty sanctuary over in Nichols, Georgia. You, if those, you know what I'm talking about. It's a little bitty block building. He was in there. There was a minister there on a on a night of his revival. And you know, preachers, we're not looking for more revival meetings. You know what I'm saying? I mean, preachers just don't go hang out at revival unless we're going to preach the revival. Well, this man was in there, which is, I know now, if you see a preacher sitting by, he's desperate to hear something from God. And so it was at the closing of that revival that he called this man, that he felt like the Lord was wanting to say something to this man. He calls him forward. That man comes to the front of the church and an apostle began to prophesy over him. And he said he saw a set of silver scissors cut grapes and God said that he pruned the vine that they'd be that they'll be bigger grapes better grapes and all of this come to him. the man and his wife break down and crying and and so he he had no idea what was going on and the man said would you please stop by my house tonight pastor Dale went by and uh stopped at his house the man's name was Bobby Moore I do believe that pastor of Walter pa- uh, was it Waldrop Avenue Church of God and uh but, and so he stops by his house 
He said, my God, you had no idea, but we got an exodus going on in the church. People are exiting out of the doors of the church. But God was promising him right then, listen, he's going to prune the vine. He cuts back. Come on, sir. How many knows that there is times that God does put the scissors in a house to prune it back? Come on, it doesn't mean that anything's bad. That's with our lives. God proves whatever's not producing fruit in our lives. If not, we'll spend all of our energy growing a stem out here that can't produce nothing. God doesn't want an extra stem taking energy from the house and the work that he's doing in a region. So he will pull his scissors in to begin to cut back. And that's what was happening in this house. But what this man needed was a word from God to stand in faith, to stay in that house, to keep moving, to keep going, and keep preaching what God was saying. So, so all of this. So he asked Pastor Dale, he said, he said, um, I need you as soon as you can get to this church to run a revival. This is many years ago. I don't know how old Austin is, but I do know from the, from the time frame that Jill was in the hospital giving birth to Austin while Dale was preaching this revival. You remember this, Danny? You remember this story? So he goes over there to preach. He gets there. Lightning bolts has fallen from heaven in that house. He had never been used in a revival like that. And so he, he begins to pray and he begins to think, you know, God's using me because of the sacrifice I'm making of having to let, leave my wife laying up in the hospital while she's giving birth to Austin and I'm out here preaching the gospel. It had nothing to do with it. What had everything to do with it is that man named Bobby, before he ever got there, how he told the people. This is what he said. And when Pastor Dale got up that night, he didn't say, this is Brother Dale from over there around Adale. Come on, somebody. He said, this is the prophet of God standing in this house tonight. That offended him. He didn't at this point even know if he believed in prophets other than Isaiah, Ezekiel. Come on, somebody. Jeremiah, Daniel. Nahum, Obadiah, Hosea. I can quote them all if we need to. But listen here. He didn't even know if he believed in that. So this man jumps up and says what? I want to introduce you to the prophet of God tonight. Whatever we need, God's in this house. What happened when they said that the people believed because of the encounter he had with that man? Come on, y'all. The people in that congregation, he done come back preaching fire from heaven. I mean, got the word of God. God prophesied over him. He done told the congregation what happened. And this is the man. Come on. Remember John 5 when she goes back, she said, come let me show you of a man that told me everything I ever did. And the Bible says the people in that city believed because of her report of what happened. They believed because of her report, not because they seen Jesus. They believed in her report because of the encounter she had with the man. So he goes back and the power of God is falling all in that house. And so he's like, man, God's not falling because of a sacrifice. God's falling because of the honor and what was said at the beginning when we started this thing. Because the Bible says if we receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, we receive a prophet's reward. If you go through that, that is the whole thing on honor, on honoring those that are above you, honoring those that are on your same level, and honoring those who are beneath you. He goes through the whole thing. He goes on to say if we receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, we will receive a righteous man's reward. So this thing... Right here, they took Jesus, the gift of God, brought him down to common. Now here's where we get tricky in the church. Oh, he thinks he's better than me. No, I don't think I'm better than nobody. I'm just got to go through the scripture and say, I'm gonna, we're going to lay through it, y'all right? Well, he's just a man, but God's going to use a man. And the man that God is on is no longer common. I don't care how many mistakes he's got in his life, he's no longer common. 
come on, y'all. I'm just trying to bring a truth back. I don't care what they've done in the past. Where is the heart of David? Come on, somebody. The Bible says that God removed the spirit from Saul, and Saul was trying to kill him. And then when the news came out that he was dead laying in the street, he immediately jumped up and said, let it not be said how the beauty of Israel lay slain in the street. Most of, most of the church rejoice when they see failures in the church. We have never seen a day of the attack of the prophetic movement like we see it on the earth. This is the Jezebel spirit trying to shut the mouth of the prophets. I want to ask you, have you ever seen in the Bible where a prophet apologized for a word that did not come to pass? I didn't find in the book of Jonah where he said 40 days God shall destroy this city that he wrote back and said I apologize for saying that. It was the word of the Lord but what it took was a generation to rise up who do not God and forgot the word and God did destroy the city and it's recorded in the book of Nahum. What we must understand about God, God is not moved by our time. Come on, somebody. He dwells outside of time. And you and I dwell in time, and we think God's going to come through like he does in the rest of our society, like McDonald's. God's not moved by that. So I love when they had Robin Dawkins on the Victory Channel. They asked him, said, are you going to apologize? He said, I, ain't, I will never apologize for what God said. If God said it, God said it. So now the prophets are being hung up not only by Jezebel, but the church turning against the prophets. Let's, let me get this straight this morning. The Bible says to believe in the prophets. It says believe in the prophets. My job is to believe when the prophet says something. Come on, sir. I don't care. I don't care how far out it is. He said, believe in the prophets and you shall prosper. Your prosperity and your breakthrough is tied to how you value the prophetic anointing. Gosh, I'm, pretty, I'm telling you. Well, you have no value for it, then that's why. Come on. Let's look at your life. I don't look at people's life in a short stint either. Show me what you got for a decade. Show me where you at 20 years from now. Anybody can get out and go for a sprint. I started out with some sprinters. But we in a marathon, baby. It's going to take some conditioning. The lion and the bear is coming out. All right, I'm going to calm down. Let's look again right here. Y'all all right? I'm just going right along. See, usually we got to bring somebody in. Usually I would I would have called Pastor Chris. He's here today. I thank God he's here for him and his family. But I would have called him. Hey, Pastor Chris, can you come preach this in our church? I'm afraid to get up here and say it. If you're a father and a pastor, you'll preach the truth. Come on, regardless of what it costs. All right. Look at this. Here it is again. One day, many Jewish religious leaders, known as Pharisees, along with many religious scholars, came from every village of Galilee, throughout Judea, and even from Jerusalem, to hear Jesus teach, and the power of the Lord God surged through him to instantly heal. Now, if you're in the New King James, it'll say that the power of God was present to heal them. Who was the power of God present to heal them? Those that were listening to his voice, right? The Sadducees and Pharisees, the teachers of the law, God was in there to heal them. Some men came to Jesus carrying a paraplegic man on a stretcher. They attempted to bring him in past the crowd to set him down in front of Jesus 
But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring them inside. So they crawled onto the roof, dug their way through the roof tiles, and lowered the man, stretcher and all, into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. <laughs> Come on, y'all. That's like we all sitting in here listening to it, and all of a sudden we hear, I mean, a saw going on the roof, and a line comes through the roof. And somebody says, my God, I got to get in that house. The door, the front door was locked. The back door was locked. But I heard Pastor John was in there. Come on, y'all. See, people getting upset. Huh? I heard Kenneth Copeland was in there. And I had to get the anointing. Changed my life. The people sat in there. God is present to heal them right then. Nobody in that room gets it. An outsider comes in and comes through the roof and gets the anointing that was present to change their life. Oh my God. <coughs> Seeing the demonstration of their faith, <coughs> excuse me, I do not have COVID. I've already beat that in Jesus' name. Jesus said to the paraplegic man, my friend, your sins are forgiven. The Jewish religious leaders and the religious scholars whispered. Look at this. Now they're whispering. Listen to what's happening in this room. People are, oh my God, somebody's, first of all, look at his faith, man. I mean, think about me. 200 and too much pound. You got to have great faith. Come on, now you're putting your life in the hands of the four people, lowering you down by a rope. <laughs> I mean, I love you, Jonathan, but I ain't got no faith you're going to hold me from the rooftop down with no roof, you and Jesse. That may be more than you can bear. So it goes in, look at this. Now they're starting to whisper amongst themselves. Look at this. Whisper among themselves, who does this man think he is to speak such blasphemy? Who does this man think he is trying to be some big shot? Look at this. Only God can forgive sins. Does he think he is God? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, look at this, said to them, why do you argue in your hearts? Listen to this. You can dishonor God in word, deed, and thought. Mm. <laughs> Let me ask you, which is easier to prove when I say your sins are forgiven or when I say stand up and carry your stretcher and walk? Jesus turned to the paraplegic man and said to prove to you all that I, the son of man, the son of man have the lawful authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you now, stand up, carry your stretcher, go home for you are healed. In an instant, the man rose right before their eyes. He stood, picked up his stretcher, and went home giving God all the glory with every step he took. The people were seized with astonishment and dumbfounded over what had just witnessed. And they all praised God, remarking over and over, incredible, what an unbelievable miracle we have seen today. Here's the difference. They went to the house saying what they seen, but the paraplegic went to the house saying what he received. It's one thing to see something. It's a whole different level to receive it. It's one thing to see a million dollars on the table. It's another thing to have it in your bank account. Come on, somebody. It's one thing to see somebody get delivered. It's a whole nother level when you're the one that's delivered. It's one thing to see someone healed. It's a whole nother level when you're the one walking in the healing. And I'm telling you, if we're going to go from seeing to receiving, we got to adjust some things in our hearts. Come on, somebody. And we have got to repent of dishonor. Y'all right? 
Now let me just say this. I wrote this question. How would we treat Jesus if he was here today and pastored our church? How would we treat Jesus if he pastored our church? If he was standing here today, how would we honor the Lord? I will answer that question. You will honor him the same way you honored me this morning. Oh, I'm getting on it right here. When the service time is 10 o'clock and you show up at 1030, you slip in, you slip out. You've not dishonored me, you've dishonored God. Mm. Catherine, go crank the truck, love. Look at this. How our attitude toward God is reflected by our behavior toward church government. First Samuel 2.30 For those who honor me I will honor Listen to what he says For those who honor me I will honor Those who despise me I shall be greatly Shall be lightly Lightly esteemed Those who honor me I will honor Those who dishonor me I will lightly esteem Notice what he says me He didn't He says God This is God the Father speaking So let's look at this. Go to this verse in John chapter 13. Y'all right? Pastor Chris, I'm I'm teaching more than preaching. Now I'm doing good. All right. Verse 20. Now what did God say? If you honor me, I'm going to honor you. you. You dishonor me, I will lightly esteem you. Is this, this is what we established, right? Now look at this verse of Scripture. <clears throat> John chapter 13. I'm going to stay right here in the Passion Translation, I guess. Let me look at Yeah. Listen to this. I love the way he writes this in the Passion. Listen to this timeless truth. What did he say? Timeless. It was good for the old school. It's still in the new school. I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff in the old school that this generation needs right now, I'm telling you, that'll protect their life. We got an entitled generation that don't understand work ethic, that don't understand endurance and how to earn something. I give my children the world, but I will never give them an easy road. And I will never fight all their lions and bears for them. Because if you do, they'll be an adult that don't know how to beat a lion and a bear. I just read, just because of some things happening in my own life. How many ever read the book by Brian Johnson, When God Becomes Real? He's very candid in that book. It's an amazing book. And when he was little, he battled anxiety really, really bad. And his dad would go in there and pray and the anxiety would leave. But when he became an adult and things acted up in his life again, and he went through severe anxiety attacks, he's very real and raw about what was happening in his life. And his dad and Chris and the whole team would have to come over there and pray over him. But his dad would say, son, you must take the tools that I've placed in your hands and do your own weaponry, do your own warfare. You've got to rise up. You with me? All right. 
What I'm telling you, we see this in every area of life. You take a kid that's great at football and he's a, like a top recruit in the nation, but he can't wait two years to throw the football. So what does he do? I'll transfer somewhere else so I can play because I'm good. Oh, we don't hear that. Let's move on. I'll get off the soapstone, uh, soapbox, whatever you call it. Listen to the timeless truth. Whoever receives the messenger, I send. Now this is how, listen, I'm fixing to teach you how you honor God. How do you honor God? Don't say this to me. I fear God, not man. Because how you treat God's messengers is exactly the way you fear God. I fear God, not man. That's baloney. If you fear God, you would, you would fear the ones and you would honor the ones whom he sent. This is the Bible I'm reading to you now. Look at this. John chapter 30, verse 20. Listen to the timeless truth. Whoever receives the messenger I send receives me. And the one who receives me receives the Father who sent me. Now let's look. Let's identify the messenger. Who is the messenger then? Who is the messenger that God is speaking about that he's sending? Let's look at this. Y'all all right? Let's tie this into Ephesians. Look right here in verse 4, uh, chapter 4. Verse 11, here's his messengers, and he has appointed who? God. Not mom and daddy, not the people in the church who appointed these. God. These are what we call the gifts or the messengers of Christ. Right here, look at this. And he's appointed some grace to be apostles, some grace to be prophets, some with grace to be an evangelist, some grace to be pastors, and some grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And they do this, and as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So he sends what? Messengers, what? To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So how do we honor God? By the way we show the respect and the value we show the ones he sends. Y'all right? Now let's look right here. Chris, you still taking the offering up for me after I get done? No, I'm playing. <laughs> look at this. This has been burning in my heart for some time. Look at verse, this, this is some weird scriptures right here. Y'all ready? Now let's talk about money a little bit. Everybody loves when the pastor gets on money. It's like one of the greatest subjects you can preach on. Now I will say this. I'm just going to preach real honest in my life. There is, let me say this, honor is a way of choice. I can easily fall into my old orphan identity in offense and anger and choose not to show honor. I remember a story. This is a national, international preacher. He had someone in his church. He had not someone in his church, someone on his staff that another pastor who he was close with hired this staff member behind his back. And this totally ticked him off. And he, um, uh, I mean, he was just, I mean, he was just at not the right place. So he said, after two days of praying, he said the Lord spoke to him because he had just bought a brand new watch while he was in Jamaica. And he said, the Lord said, give him that watch. Give that pastor that watch. 
He was like, are you, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, you should, I said, come on now. Let's just be real. This pastor just went behind his back, hired one of his staff members that he took, it took him 10 months to train in the international side of his ministry. And now God's telling him to give the watch. But he said, after just a few moments of praying, great joy filled his heart. Now he's back in his identity, right, as a son. Because see, as our identities as sons of God, we're not victims, we're victors. Orphans are victims. They're powerless to change anything in their environment. But sons are powerful. Are you with me? And so he calls the pastor, tells him, he confronts him, lets him know what he done, let him know it displeased him. But he said, I want you to know there's nothing in my heart against you. And he said, I want to stop by your office. Well, this pastor's kind of nervous as he's come by now to see him at his office. And he goes in there and he hands him a watch that he just paid about 1500 bucks for. And he said, man, he said, I've wanted this watch for some time, thankfully. So there was a time back that he was preaching about a couple months later. He's preaching in this place. And he he's, goes to the restroom and a businessman follows him to the restroom. And he asked him a question. He said, I felt like this morning God asked me, what is the watch that you desire? And he said, man, if you're asking me, and I'm probably going to botch the name. It's not a Rolex, but this watch is about $10,000. They start around, you can get some cheaper ones for about four grand. They go up above 10. He said, that is my dream watch. And the businessman said, I thought it was. And he took the exact watch that he just described off of his arm. And he said, there's your watch. He said, God told me to give it to you in the meeting. God was just recapping to him, son, every time you show honor, even when they don't deserve honor, I will always protect you and give back to you, pressed down, shaking up, multiplying, and running over. Y'all, that's good. <clears throat> I've had people to show me honor when I did not deserve honor. And I have also showed other people honor that did not deserve honor. We honor not because of who we honored them not because of who they are, but who's on the inside of them. And everyone is created in the image of God. You with me? So let's go a little deeper right here. So he says, he says, listen, listen to the timeless truth. Whoever receives the messenger, right? That I send receives me. Whoever honors that messenger that I send honor me, honors me. Now the messenger is Ephesians 4.11. The, the, these are the elders that rule in the body of the church, okay? These are the, these are the leadership. This is elders, five-fold leaders inside the church. Now let's look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Look at Paul's instruction here in verse 17. I'm going to read this right here out of the Passion Translation because this is going to go like a rat sandwich down here in the south. The pastors who lead the church well should be paid well. How many knows this? We got the um, we got the peach shed out here in the summertime. We all go on Sunday afternoon to help our figures. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we want to we believe in the Isaiah 54. Stretch forth your tent wide. You know what I'm saying? So we go to peach shed and get some ice cream to help forth the stretching. So I'm at the peach shed and here's these two guys come up. And I'm listening to the conversation. They're, they're what we would call an old-timer, like Emmett. I'm cutting up Emmett. You know that? So <clears throat> they're talking. And he says this. He said, um, one as he said, y'all still, got, y'all still got that same preacher out there? He said, yeah, he's still there. I'm just listening to the conversation. 
He said, he is working a job now, though. Praise God. It's the mentality. Because we believe that preacher, don't, he needs to be just as poor as we can keep him. But when you keep him just as poor as you can keep him, what you're doing is keeping yourself just as broke as you can keep yourself. Because I'm going to show you the abundance of grace poured out on the place is how well that leadership's treated inside that body of people. Oh, I don't need nothing. Listen here. Steve going to make sure I got all I need and want. So I'm not looking for nothing. So will Danny. Come on, somebody. God going to provide. You with me? And he has always provided for me. Now let me say this. The other side of the coin is when you demand it yourself. Which is what's perverted it. But what we've allowed is the 5% that has perverted it to back us away from a truth inside the body that wants, where God wants to bless us. Are you with me now? Don't tell me when you are hoarding your finances and, and you just want to tithe where you want to tithe. The tithe's never yours to start with. It belongs to God. We're going to get into that in a minute. And I don't tithe under Malachi chapter 3, the Levitical priesthood, where you got to wait for the window of heaven to step out. That's not the New Testament, the order of Melchizedek. I don't wait for something to fall out the window. I stand inside daddy's house. Come on, somebody. I ain't waiting for something to slide out no window. I stand inside the house where everything's available to me. But if you don't give from the place of honor inside your heart, you, 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 don't, you don't even get the window open. You with me? All right, so listen to this. The pastor who leads the church well should be paid well. They should receive double honor. This is the only place in Scripture that we find the word double honor and it is tied to God's authority and leadership in the house. How we treat them. Double honor for faithfully preaching and teaching the revelation of the Word of God. For the Scriptures have taught us, do not muzzle an ox or forbid it to eat while it grinds the grain. Also, the one who labors deserves his wages. Honor is shown not just in action and word, but is also in thought. Remember, in Luke 5, they dishonored Jesus in thought and did not receive. 1 Timothy 4, look at this. I ain't going to get, I could break all this down for really from some of the stuff I t- study. But so, those that labor in the word receive double honor. We can honor in deed, word, and thought. So let's look at this. If scripture says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, give careful attention. Put it in the, put it in the New King James. I want to see this right here. Can we change it right, guys? Till I come, give attention. One translation I can't remember that I read says, "Give careful attention to the reading and the exhortation to doctrine." That should be the response of any family of God, any believers, as the Word of God's going forth. You should be at careful attention. Careful attention. You would not, Catherine teaches school and she's not going to put up with third graders with their backs turned toward her while she's teaching. She's not going to put up with somebody on Facebook while she's teaching. 
She's not going to put up with texting while she's teaching. I'm just trying to lay a plumb line to what I'm saying. How you model yourself by the Word of God, it may not be your favorite preacher, but how you model yourself by the Word of God is a sure litmus test to how you value God. Don't tell me you got a high esteem for God when you can't even show up on time to the house of God. Man, I'm getting, getting hard right there. Calm down, John. I'm just telling you. 1 Timothy 5.17 The pastors who lead the church well should be paid well. How we treat the head financially will determine what comes on the entire body. Now let's look at this. Y'all okay? I'm just going in this some more. Now let me just say this. When it comes to like you, you say, well, that, that's just a man. I, I got to go. Only well I can go from is the own well of what I've experienced in my own life. I remember this young pastor. And he was very gifted. He was very talented. He's very young. And, um, <clears throat> but God was using him. God was using him far more than what he was using me, which created jealousy and envy in my own heart. I'm going to lay my own stuff out there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I didn't like to see him because I was envious of him because, I mean, he was further down the road than me. Are you with me? So I'll never forget having a meal with him. Now, I'd never heard anyone, anyone address Pastor Dale, apostle, whatever. He was pastor to some. He was apostle to others. I'd never heard anyone call him Dale. Never in my years did I ever call him Dale. And neither would I call him today Dale. And when I text him, I don't call him Dale. So here's this pastor. He's got a little success. See, you people can stay humble while they're small. But the head begins to swell. I was talking with a leader three weeks ago who has not even been in ministry long at all, and yet they're talking to me like I'm their equal. Pastor Chris used to teach me in his office, and I'm very thankful, and I will always honor him for that. But what did you say before you come out here when I begin to share my heart? He doesn't address me today like I'm his equal. And so this, this, this guy come to me, and so we remember standing out at the restaurant, and this is what he said. Well, I don't even know if I agree with what Dale said. My ears just shot like a megaphone. Oh, now he's Dale. Well, what happened? You brought that man down to common in your life. He's just a man that put his britches on just like you. Within 36 months, tragic ending. I'm not talking, I can tragically blow it up tomorrow. I'm not sitting here saying I'm better than nobody. You better listen to me. What I'm saying is what happened was the shift come in his heart and that man became common, which arrogance got in that heart, which pride always leads to the destruction. I don't have to prophesy no death on the arrogant. The Bible's already commanded death on the arrogant. The Bible says God resists the proud. His hand is against you, but he, re he welcomes in the humble into the courtroom of heaven. I'm quoting the Bible. The God opposes the proud. His hand is on them. So now he becomes, you know, I just don't agree with that that Dale preaches. 
I got home and what did I say? He will never become Dale to me. And I will say this, and I'll say this publicly. There was a season in my life because of what we went through that I was hurt, that I said some things that probably shouldn't have never come out of my mouth, and I'm guilty for that. And I thank, the, I thank God that he didn't strike me down or anything like that, that he put up with me in my hurt season, but you won't hear me address him like that today. I'm just got to go from home. I'm just, maybe this is for me. But when we left Cutting Edge, when I planted my first church, I had the elders in that church and the pastor of that church, and they were weeping over that. And I still have relationship with them today. Those elders still text me and say, would you please pray about this? Because they believe in me. That's the journey of my life. Our pastor who left the ministry still comments, happy birthday, John. So proud of you. And when David left the house, David left alone. It was Absalom who took the crowd. But David, when he left, he just told Jonathan, call out to me. Call out to me and let me know if there's peace in this house. If there's not, shoot the arrow and I'll go alone. And it was David when he walked alone that God built the mighty men with him in the cave of Adullam. So in 1 Kings 17, here we find this principle. Elisha, Elijah is showing up at a widow woman's house. And as Elijah shows to the widow woman's house, she is broke. She's got enough oil and cake and to, just for her and her son to eat it and she's going to die. Here's the preacher coming. Y'all, let's put this in today's time, today's language. If, if the pastor, let's, let's just put Kenneth Copeland, okay? Because everybody gets mad at Kenneth Copeland because he got a Gulf Stream and all this stuff. They trying to get him. You know what I'm saying? They going to get him. All right. So he pulls up there with a woman. He says, let me tell you something. If you want to be sustained, you take care of me first. Could you imagine a camera with Kenneth Copeland getting out of his Gulfstream jet into his Escalade going to the widow's house to see her because God sent him there and he ain't going to travel. Come on, somebody in the Datsun. He's traveling in the Gulfstream jet and he's traveling up there in the Mercedes and he gets out and he tells the widow woman who's, who's, who's living in a shanty, she's broke and, and she, she ain't got nothing but enough just to sustain her for that afternoon and her and her son's going to die. And he looks at her and he said, listen, if you, want that, if you want this broke off your life, you make sure you take care of me first. This is a prophetic picture that if we honor God with the first fruits, I can't get nobody. If we honor God with the, first, with the increase of our capital, that God will sustain us. Is this not? All right, let's move on. Y'all all right? I'm traveling. My gosh, where did the time go? All right, let's go. Let's, let's look right here. Let's move on right here. I want to go a little further right here. If you get done before I do, you can go, and you're not dishonoring me in any type of way. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. I want to look at this verse of Scripture. I got to get into this because I can't, I, can't, I can't give this later. We gotta, I got I to gotta get rid of this. Proverbs 3, 9. Glorify God with your wealth. 
I'm going to read this out of the New King James. Honor the Lord with your possessions. What did he say? Honor. Honor. How do we honor God? You honor him by honoring the ones who he sins. Right? Financially. You with me? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with the new wine. So let's, let's, let's talk about tithing. Let me just say this. I ain't got time to get it. I'm going to deal with one of them, okay? But there's three main purposes when you study the Word of God for tithing, okay? People say, well, look, I'm a New Testament believer. I don't tithe because tithing was a part of the law. That is very incorrect. Tithing was introduced before the law was ever in effect. The law of Moses and the, and the law and the Levitical order of, of Malachi chapter 3 was introduced before, tithing was introduced before that was ever set up. And in the Levitical order, what was it? The priests were not allowed to have land, correct? Come on, Danny, you can teach us better than I can. They were not giving part of the land, so they were to receive part of the resources that came into the house. Now, let me say another thing where he says, you bring your storehouses into the house where they may be meat in my house. That word meat means freshly torn prey. What you want is that leader to not to be under any financial burden so that his place is to labor like Peter said, that it's not right for us to wait on tables, but we must continually wait in the presence of God and serve the word of God. So you want freshly torn prey every time you go to that house. How many of you heard Damon say, I'm not going to hang out with a bunch of people. Do you want to hang out with me or do you want to enjoy the freshly torn prey that I'm providing? Are you with me now? That's the role of the ministry. And they were to bring the, they were to bring the storehouse, they were to bring the tithes into that storehouse to provide for the leadership that was serving the people. Let me say this, you robbing God when you drink from the fountain but you don't sow into it. Whether that's podcast ministry you dishonor God by drinking from that well and it benefiting your family but you don't sow into it we don't go to a house to drink from it that we don't sow into it I stretched them out by by my heart of giving in December we took $19,000 I said $19,000 and sowed it into ministers. And we shut the church down two weeks because we were sick of COVID. And you look at the numbers in this room, but there's more money in there today than when we gave the 19K. We don't give to be broke. We give to honor the leaders in this community to uplift them to say, we are here for you. We're not eating the seed. That's amazing testimony. We didn't give it to orphans. We didn't give it to widows. We gave it to the men of God. To honor them. To say that we're here with you. You with me? All right. Ties are given to provide for the appointed servants who minister to us. Paul said in 1 Timothy 5, 17, they should be worthy of double pay. I won't even break that down to you. But you can take the medium income in that house. The man who stands in that house is worthy of double of that. That bothers people right there. God bless you. 
I'm trying, and Paul said, it's not that I desire your gift, I'm trying to get the money to you. And you're not going to get no money to you with a poverty mentality that every time you give, it takes away from what you got. I had to learn how to break that off my life a long time ago. Come on now. When I told Danny to come up here in front of the room, I wrote him a $1,000 check with $1,300 in my checkbook, but I didn't give to him to be broke. Come on, that money came back to me within a month, sixfold. And I didn't sow it into him like his life because he let him laugh about it. I don't think. Yeah, he, he toted it around because he couldn't believe a preacher could even do that. But, what, but let me tell you why we beat up in the church. Elon Musk just said this. He said, why are we hosting baby showers? Why don't we host business showers? Why don't we sow into business people with business gifted to help get them off the ground and raise up businesses? I'm just telling you, we got to have a total mindset adjustment in the church if we ever going to do the things of the kingdom. Because if you're going to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, it's going to take a whole lot of money. We ain't going to get that on the dollar that just comes into the coffer. That's why I preached last week that I did on the keys to, on the kings and priests. We stand as a priest to intercede in, in the courts of heaven. God gives us, come on somebody, a benediction, which he said in Matthew in Malachi 3, I will put a I will pour a blessing. That word benediction is an idea. Creative ideas of where to sow your money to make great returns on it. All right. So, I got to finish this up. I'm, I'm trying to hurry. First Corinthians chapter 9. Let's look at this. Man, I got so many Bibles up here. I'm, somebody give me the whole my translation. <laughs> Y'all right? Hey, Jesus. I'm going to probably get to run a revival right here next couple of weeks. I'm going to have preachers call me. Can you come preach this? Get revival. We, we went, you remember as a church when we went down to Pastor Ashley's? We sold the $10,000 in there. And somebody said, well, we need to bring them to our church because we need to redo the uh, foyer. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 7. says, who, ser- <clears throat> who serves in the military at his own expense? Could you imagine the recruiter showing up at the school? Hey, we want y'all to enlist in the Marines, but I need y'all to work a job on the side to pay for your uniform. <laughs> Buy your own gun. Buy your own bullets. Y'all, we laugh at it. Come on. Huh? I remember Catherine and I, we were praying. We got to go preach in this large church. It's the largest church I preached in at this time. It's large to me. It held about 500 people. I told Catherine, I said, listen here, love. I said, we're going to eat steak tonight. I ripped the roof off that place, preached, prophesied, laid hands, got in the truck, opened up, $50. $50. I've preached in places, got an Applebee's gift card. And the church wonders why they struggle financially. Y'all, I'm trying to help us here. I'm preaching the truth. And it goes down hard sometimes in certain places. Not in here as much. We go to the next place. I'm scheduled to run a revival, and I ran a revival every year for this man, precious man of God. He would always call me, and he'd tell me this. He would say, brother, when you come, you bring the King James Red Letter 1116 edition. That's what we read. But I'd go preach. I remember preaching in this little country church, preached my guts out for four nights. 
opened the check up for $1,000. I could not believe it. God showed me early on in my ministry, don't never judge me by the size of the crowd you're standing in. Now, look at this in 1 Corinthians 9. Y'all right? All right, I'm trying to hurry up. Who serves in the military at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not enjoy the grapes for himself? Who would nurture, who would, who would nurture and shepherd a flock and never get to drink its fresh milk? I, am I merely giving you my own opinions or does the Torah teach you the same things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you should never put a muzzle over the mouth of an ox while he is treading out the grain. Tell me, is God only talking about oxen here? Doesn't he also give us this principle so that we won't we won't withhold support from his workers. It wasn't written so that we would be understand that the one spiritually plowing and spiritually treading out the grain also labors with the expectation of enjoying the harvest. So if we've sowed many spiritual gifts among you, is it too much to expect to, re- to reap material gifts from you? And if you have supported others, don't we rightfully deserve this privilege even more. Man, that's heavy words. <clears throat> Look at Philippians chapter 4. I'm just going to read you these verses of scriptures and we're done. Is it, where's that at? After Hebrews. Uh, y'all right? Hebrews, I mean, uh, Philippians 4. Better quit cutting up. Uh, Philippians 4. Look at this, verse 14. You so graciously provided for my essential needs during this season of difficulty. For I want you to know that the Philippian church was the only church that supported me in the beginning as I went out to preach the gospel. You are the only church that sowed into me financially. And when I was in Thessalonica, you supported me for well over a year. I mention this not because I'm requesting a gift, but so that the fruit of your generosity may bring you an abundant reward. So when we when when ministers of the gospel, there are listen. I'm not saying there's not some that has perverted the prosperity message, but there's not a poverty message. Let's establish that poverty is demonic and it's a result of the curse. I, I will say it again: there is no such thing as a poverty message that ever should come forth from the house of God. Poverty is a result of the curse and it is demonic. God does not want you living in the land of not enough. He wants you in the land of more than enough. You say, well, Pastor John, I don't know how to get there. I'm helping you right here. Listen to the final verses that I'll read this morning. I was in Thessalonica and you supported me for, for, for well over a year. I mention this not because I'm requesting a gift, but so that the fruit of your generosity may bring you an abundant reward. I know I now have all I need more than enough. I am abundantly satisfied, for I received the gift you sent by Aphroditus and viewed it as a sweet sacrifice, perfumed with the fragrance of your faithfulness, which is so pleasing to God. I wonder if we look at our checkbook, would it say it, it is pleasing to God? You can look at your check register and it'll show you where your heart is at. Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure is also. 
I'm amazed that people don't mind giving MasterCard and Visa 29% and they can't honor God with 10%. I remember listening to this message that Pastor Bill Johnson preached. He said this guy told, came and met with him. He said, Pastor, he said, when I made $30,000 a year, I could tithe. But I make $300,000 a year now and I find tithing very difficult. He said, I can pray two ways. God give you the faith to tithe off your increase or God can reduce you back down to 30,000 where he can bring you a level of faith to tithe. Do you think you ask him to bring him back down? <clears throat> All right. Haggai chapter one. I'm done right here. I'm almost done. I don't know why I feel like to say that. If, you, if you're not hungry for it, it don't matter anyhow, you know? Man, I'm struggling to find stuff in the Bible here this morning. People say, he ain't reading the word. I'll find it in a minute. If y'all want to pull it up on the screen, that'll help. I can't even find it. It's in one of these minor prophets. Help us, Lord. Where's the book of Haggai at, y'all? He don't even know where the Bible is. There we got it. All right. All right. Listen to this. This is what the Lord says through the prophet Haggai. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Pastor, why does it break through happen on us? Pastor, why does it break through happen on us? Let me, let me tell you a couple things. Adjust it. Don't tithe under the law. Tithe under the honor system. We tithe because we honor God. We are honoring God. I esteem him highly. And I show that by the increase of my house. I'm not tithing because I'm afraid something's going to happen. Under fear. That's the Levitical order. We're under the order of Melchizedek. That's what the whole book of Hebrews 5 through 10 establishes that. I'll bring more teaching on that in clarity. Days ahead. Are you with me? So we're not, we're not waiting for something to fall out of a window of heaven. We stand in the Father's house. And everything He has is ours. We're sons and daughters of the King. But in his language, notice this. I told you under that order was to provide for the leadership of the house, right? Now, what did the guys at the Pete Shed say? Yeah, we still got that preacher. I'm sitting there thinking, he will never drink anything from heaven. I wanted to turn around and teach him and instruct him in a Bible that he's never cracked the lenses on. Because if that's the way you value, listen, what you just said about that preacher is the unveiling of your heart the way you see God. He said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. I seen this thing on there where this church, whatever, they had a board at the back and they had on there uh, the robbers. Robbers in the church, non-tithing board. <laughs> Uh, like bad checks, you know what I'm saying? Business put bad checks out of your name on there. Thank God my name ain't never been on there, but huh? <laughs> we wrote it by faith, man. I'm sorry it didn't come through. God didn't come through for us. Remember, like Medea, tell a check, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You will go through and not return void. So, so he said, Will a man rob God? Where was the money going to? 
the Levitical priesthood. Why didn't he say, will a man rob my preachers? He said, will a man rob me? Because if you withhold from the man of God, you've not withheld it from him. You're withholding it from me. He said, yeah, but you have robbed me in tithes and offerings. You got people, we missed three weeks of church and they drop a check in there. They think they're a tither. You're not a tither, you're a tipper. If my tithes is... If my tithes is $60 a week and I miss the house of God for three weeks, I write a check for $180. Oh, we, I'm almost done. Hey, we got good tithing record here. I'm not preaching by tithes. All right, I'm just trying to bring some adjustment here. Okay, this is, I'm just telling you. We got to adjust some things in the heart. Hey, guys said this. He said, listen, you sow much and you bring in little. You eat, you, you don't have enough. You, you drink, but you're not, not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Look at this. He said, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. John, consider what you're doing. What were they doing? Okay, God, we're not getting the breakthrough we're looking for. What's going on? What are we doing? He said, consider your ways. Look at this. Thus said the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. So what was the issue? They were building their own personal stuff and neglecting the work of God. When we put the work of God first, God makes sure everything we have is provided. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Do we agree with this is the word of the Lord? So when this deal of honor, I honor him in word, deed, and thought. I can dishonor him in word, deed, or thought. And so with this, let me just say this. When someone sits down with you and they are eating someone else's lunch, let me give you a good piece of wisdom here. It is a matter of time when they're eating your lunch to someone else. My son was sitting down on the bed. I was trying to help him through a problem the other night. And he asked me, he said, Dad, why don't you address something like that? Dad, why don't you address something like that? I told him, I said, son, let me tell you something. I've been in it long enough now. There's some things we just, I was just telling you, some things you just got to let roll off your back. Don't take it personal. Just roll it off your back. You with me? We got to get thicker skin, get away from offense, get away from dishonor. But I can tell you something. The fakers in the days ahead will fall away. Because what's coming on the earth is going to take real people of faith with strong faith and strong identity into the sons of God. And I don't even like to talk about demons and stuff like those that know me because I grew up in a church where we chased demons. But man, I battled two last week. I don't know where they came from. But I can tell you this. They didn't come from no lower ranks. 
And you know, we tell people, you just tell them to go in the name of Jesus, you know, go to hell or whatever you want to say, however you want to say it. I quoted the whole King James, then jumped over in the Passion Translation, then jumped into NIV. And the Amplified. The Amplified's loud, it should have run them off. But it didn't happen. But I knew God was trying to teach me about my identity in Him. Son, don't be moved or shaken. Stand in who I've called you to be. Now I can leave this. I'm going to leave you with this. Me and Matt Smith traveled a few weeks ago to a place. We go to that place over there and we're standing there and there's breakthrough after breakthrough. Same Matt that just sang on the stage here was the same Matt singing on the stage there and the power of God zipping through the place. What do you think happened? He wasn't common to them and I wasn't common to them. When they handed me the mic, the man of God is here to preach the gospel tonight. And you know what happened? The man of God was in there and God anointed me. I'm just telling you. When I pastored in Alma, I carried myself the same way I do here. When I first arrived here, I remember Mary Broom telling me, get back upstairs. You do not come out until the service has already started. You're not going to greet at the door. I said, I'll greet at the door. I still tote the trash out. I clean the toilets upstairs. But when we reduce the gifts, whether they be me, whoever they are in this house, when we reduce them down as common, you dishonor the Lord and it displeases His heart. You tell me you love God. Listen to this. I sent a quote out last night and I said this. People's hearts are won not by charismatic speeches, but they are won when you have the ability to break your life open and sustain people. The charismatic holler will be long gone, but what feeds you is a life. The reason why I track him like I do, because he's been there in life and been there and done it, knows what it's like to go through his 40s. And your body starts changing and you realize you're not immortal anymore. How do you waver that stage of life? I'm just telling you, I know for a fact, if I leave the earth today, I thought about this. God, if my last message, if this was my last message to ever preach, I thought this on Friday. If Sunday was the last message I ever preached to the church, what would you say to them? I would have preached what I preached this morning on honor. Because we must learn how to raise the standard. Some of us, the standard is so low, you eat people's lunch in your house and you don't think twice about it. Make no mistake about it, it's recorded in heaven. And God says at the end, all your works will be laid bare. Everything you did. Am I quoting the book? And I'm guilty. Catherine, look over there. John, you better calm down. Because I'm married to the Holy Spirit. He's in me and it's her. I mean, she's the great corrector. Not the comforter, the corrector. But I know she's trying to help my dumb self. And she's trying to save me a war. And she's trying to save me another leg around the journey. But we at the church keep going around the same part of the mountain. Hey, what didn't we see this last November? Yep. Wasn't it there the last November? Yep. Because we don't adjust our hearts. God's telling us this morning, you got to adjust your heart.
You hear what I'm saying? I'm talking to me. I'm talking to all of us in this room. We must adjust our heart. Don't bring dishonor to God by dishonoring one of His servants. With me? I don't care if they're in ministry or out of ministry. There was a young pastor. I always tell these stories. There was a pastor, and when he was young, he had some struggles. He was pastoring a church. He had these struggles, and church found out, fired him. But his pastor, his father in the Lord, went and got him, put him up in an apartment, took care of his family, coached him, counseled him. He overcome this issue in his life, brought him on his staff. And he said, here's protection. Here's income. I've got you, man. You just focus on you and the Lord. Now you strengthen. Let's do this stuff. He gets a call, an opportunity to take a church. His pastor says, I don't believe you're ready. He looks back and says, you're trying to control me. And he leaves and he goes to this next church. He gets a book deal and he writes a book and he writes a whole chapter. Both of these are national leaders. He writes a chapter in a book about the place he served at with that pastor. And he painted him to be a controlling, vindictive, never for him, wanting to hold me back, all of these things. The pastor called another national leader and said, how should I handle that? He said, don't touch it, just watch. Within 24 months of the national platform, he was totally embarrassed before the world. We cannot look back in dishonor. I don't know his exact birthday, but let me tell you something that every year is in Adel, Georgia, whether you know it or not, just as St. Patrick's Day is here, just as Easter's here, just as everything else is here, there is a day called Dale Young Day in this city. And it was set forth by the mayor on his 50th birthday. And I have been privileged to see a lot of ministry. But yet there is one that I've seen used that I've had to personally know when he was on like he was on. And I said he's not on today. Let me clarify that language. There's a Christian school here because it burned in his heart. Don't come meet with me and say it was because of his children. I don't care how it got started. He started it. God blessed through his ministry and his preaching of the gospel the abundance of resources to start that school. And it's here today. And it's still propped and it's still going today because of that man started. I wouldn't stand here to preach this morning if it was not him obeying God going to that place on March 10th of 1991. Mary Alice Statham wouldn't be running in here and there wouldn't be no beauty pageants. It had not been the word of the Lord that came forth in that. Come on, y'all. Don't let me remind you of the past. Sometimes we want to look at the past and discuss, but I'm telling you, God's trying to adjust our heart. <clears throat> there ain't no, as perceived victims, there's a perceived victim, here's a perceived victim, there's a man that was ground up and thrown to the side for 10 years until I made a phone call and said, what are you doing? But God started rallying me back in 2000. He started rallying me back. And I said, where were you at in 2008? He sent me a text back and said, I will not talk about 2008. But it was in 2018 that I was sitting in a tree stand that God put him back on my heart. And when God spoke to me that night in the dream where I was taken to the office of Chris Valentin, and Chris Valentin put his arms around me and he said, Yahweh wrote a chapter about you. 
Do you want to know what the chapter is? And I said, yeah, I want to know what the chapter is. And I'm laying on a grown man. You don't lay on a grown man. Come on, somebody. I'm laying on a grown man. I'm, my back is laying on his chest. He's got his arms around me. And he reads Isaiah 49. And he said, you say that you used all your strength for nothing. But yea, you are my chosen servant. Come on, somebody. And it's too great a thing for me to use you to gather all the tribes back of Israel. So I'm telling you this morning, the call of God on this house, we will honor the past and not dishonor. And we will know that the past, the back swing is what's, it corrects the swing now. And if the future's ever going to be right, the back swing's got to be correct. Come on, somebody. And we can't look back with dishonor. We can't pick up the sins of our father, but we must honor the father. Come on, somebody. And we stand here. That's why Jesus, Jesus didn't show up and ride in Matthew chapter 2. He went through all of Matthew chapter 1. And he talked about all of that genealogy. And he said, I stand on the shoulders of everybody that's gone before me. There's some of these young people out preaching today. They can't point to nothing they've ever followed or ever served. That's why no authority comes upon their life. You can give all the information you want, but it doesn't mean you'll have impartation. And fathers bring impartation. They bring impartation. Come on, somebody. They impart courage, courage, the strength to go. And they bring inspiration. Inspire means to bring spirit into people. That's what's happening right now in this room. I'm breathing into your spirit, man, to bring a plumb line to say, we can't dishonor any further. I'm telling you, I feel this. And if God removed me from the earth today, I'll stand in his eyes and say, God, I did what I thought you want me to do. So where's it at? The call still remains the same. We're to gather the tribes. He's one of the tribes. The tribes are watching this online right now. But God had to begin to deal with my heart. He started dealing with my heart. My son, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to get rid of what you think about your city. I want you to get rid of what's in your heart about the South. So I told Grant, we'll get us a short-haired pointer. And we'll put him on the back of that Ford and we'll ride to town with a short-haired pointer. And I'll be proud to get out at Dorsey's or anywhere else. Because this is where he planted us. See, the Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. It don't say those that attend church. It says those that are planted in the house of the Lord. Planted is being different than attending. Planted is where you lay your life down. This is the only way I know how to do ministry. It's the only way we've ever done it. And every place I've ever been where they had my money, my time, everything I got in my heart. So, Father, I pray. God, I pray today. I will be the first to repent in this church. God, I ask you to forgive me. God, I ask you. God, I ask you to forgive me, Lord. God, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Lord, please don't judge me. Have mercy. Man, I'm going to step out on some bold stuff right here. Two of the intercessors that are with me, not here locally, but other places. They had a dream. And in this dream, we were in this conference-like setting and the house was full. And he saw me sitting on the other side. Forget, I'm not going to share. The Holy Spirit just told me to stop right there. I'm not going to share that publicly. 
But Father, come on, raise your hands, church. Just raise your hands right here. I can't, I can't use no more scriptures, but if I was going on, I'd show you in Corinthians 8 where the outpouring of the grace of God in that, in that church of Macedonia was connected to their giving and how they honored the leadership. I used to look at my ordination in disgust. And I had a national leader to come in that office and said, John, let me change your ordination. Let me, let me put you something on your wall. But I won't hang another one on the wall because I'm proud of my heritage where I came from. Chris, I wouldn't trade the journey for nothing. Every pain, every struggle, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. It led me here now to this group of people now. I'm not living in the past. I don't live in the rearview mirror. But I'm telling you, we must adjust some things in our heart. Don't you ride by that glass building in disgust. God established that in this city. God is the one done that. Father, I pray over our hearts this morning the best that I know how. And God, I've asked you to forgive me. But Lord, I thank you that you have not left us nor forsaken us in all the mess. You've been with us, God. You're full of mercy. Even when I don't deserve it and when I've made a hundred mistakes, you're still with us, Lord. God, I pray today, let a sound come from the south. Let the gold dust from heaven come again in a greater way. Let the prophetic come in a greater way. In the name of the Lord, we thank you, God. We honor you with our whole heart this morning. Lord, I honor you with everything in me, God. I don't want to live with offense, God. I don't want to live and look at people who hurt me and say, I wish something would happen to them. God, help me love one another as you have loved us. Let us lay our life down for one another. God, forgive us. I pray this morning, Lord, you would cleanse our hearts. So, Father, today we pray and we ask you to forgive us. In the name of the Lord God, I bless you. This is heavy. This is something we're going to walk in for the next couple of days. I don't even understand it all, but I bless you, church. I love you with all my heart. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you next Wednesday night. Not uh, On live stream Wednesday night, see you the following Sunday. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.